You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. For many people, getting on the property ladder feels like an impossible task. Some innovative solutions are emerging, but are they a good investment or a bad deal? Well, to be honest, I've been having sleepless nights. I go from feeling completely exhilarated at the prospect of moving just up the road um, into this, you know, big flat. And then the next minute I'm lying there awake at night thinking, is am I making the biggest financial mistake of my life? Meet Lucy. She works as a freelance fashion editor in London and has been saving up for years to buy her first property with her partner. It's been an aspiration of mine since I was really young. I, my mother was is a renter and always has been. And I have always really wanted to provide the security of owning a home to the family that we are creating. Having found a property and been granted a mortgage, you might think this was a time for celebration. But instead, Lucy is so worried she's contemplating backing out of the deal. You know, it's taken over, really. It's all we talk about. It's all I think about. Um, so I really look forward to reaching some kind of conclusion so that I can get back to, you know, being more focused on being a mum, focused on being pregnant and... Um, enjoying my life rather than being obsessed with do I, don't I, shared ownership. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real-life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. Today, we're tackling shared ownership. What's that, I hear you ask? Well, in big cities like London, shared ownership is becoming one of the only ways that first-time buyers like Lucy can afford to get on the property ladder. Instead of buying a whole flat, you buy a fraction of one, paying a mortgage on that part and paying rent on the rest, until one day you can hopefully afford to buy the whole flat. Fingers crossed. Now, you can find fractional property ownership models in the US and Europe too, but it's in the UK where shared ownership has really taken off, thanks partly to government support in the early days. It's become hugely popular with young renters in big cities who see it as taking a step closer to owning their own home. But as with any financial product, there are plenty of pitfalls that you need to be aware of. Let's get back to Lucy. 
I live with my partner in Stoke Newington. Stokey, or Wokey as some call it, is one of North East London's hippest neighbourhoods, boasting green spaces and an array of independent shops, restaurants and cafes. House prices here are so stratospheric, the estate agent's windows are stained with tears. We have an 18-month-old daughter. Um, we're both self-employed, having worked for 10 years on various uh, women's magazines. I'm now freelance, um, so I have a great career, um, which is really interesting and diverse. It's not terribly secure at times, hence this pandemic has thrown things up in the air for us a bit. Um, and we have been saving for a long time to try and buy a property that we can, you know, hopefully live in for a good long while. Now, Lucy's pregnant with her second child and the couple are on the cusp of realising their dream of buying their own home. They found a two bed property nearby that they really like the look of and they've had an offer accepted. Yeah, so the property that we've seen is a first floor um, new build property. Um, it's very glossy and shiny and new. Um, and, you know, it's way beyond what my partner and I would be able to afford in this area. We can't afford anywhere near 580,000. Um, and it's got, it's that sort of thing that it's like because it's just been built as well you walk in and you go wow it's like you know really nice fittings and fixtures I've only seen the showroom but it is quite a tempting proposition. But how much will Lucy be paying for all of this in terms of the mortgage payment on the slice she owns and the rent payment on the slice that she doesn't? So it means approximately £820 a month on the mortgage and a further £600 on rent and £250 on service charge. I mean, it's a similar amount to what we've been, what we pay currently in rent. And my thought was, isn't it better to get on the property ladder and start investing in our future rather than keep, well, I don't know if it's wasting, but spending money on rent. So let's get the calculator out and go over those numbers. Every month, Lucy and her partner will pay £820 on the mortgage part of the deal, plus £600 in rent for the part they don't own, plus £250 for the monthly service charge. If you live in a leasehold flat or apartment, the service charge is a fee you pay for the upkeep of the building. So all in all, they need to pay just under £1,700 every month. But here's the problem. More than half of that sum is the rent and service charge combined. And what was Lucy saying about wasting money on rent? Yes, we're paying for service charge and we're paying rent, but we get to live in a gorgeous area in a glossy flat. And it's, uh, you know, a good, well, what we think is a good step on the ladder and hopefully would take us closer to owning a terrace house at some point. I've looked into shared ownership quite a few times and for whatever reason, my income hasn't been, um, you know, at a high enough level even to afford that. Finally, was with a partner. We're very, you know, we're very much together. We've, we've got a child now. And I thought, fantastic. Now's the time to do it. But she's also having second thoughts. I suppose, 
mainly that I've begun questioning whether a shared ownership property does in fact provide us with a step on the ladder. My understanding is that new builds often decrease in value. I don't know if that's true. I don't know enough about it. Um, or that possibly that they're overpriced to begin with. That's something else that I've heard. Lucy also worries if she walks away, changing conditions in the property market could make it much harder for her to get a mortgage on another property in future. So that's my fear, is that we were, we've worked with a mortgage broker and we've been limited to one lender on the basis of um, my having only been fully self-employed for one full tax year. So we've got, it feels like one chance with one lender right now. And otherwise, because of me having had my daughter, it could be quite a long time until we can really consider buying again. As I went through my little black book of property contacts, I tried to separate the different issues Lucy faced. The biggest attraction of shared ownership, she could stay in the expensive London neighbourhood she loves. But just because that's possible, is it financially practical? I wanted to ask property experts how easy or difficult they thought it would be for the family to trade up. And what about the mortgage market? With lenders getting increasingly nervous about the economic backdrop, I wanted to find an expert who could give her some guidance on this. The first person I called, Henry Pryor. Henry is what's known in the trade as a buying agent. He doesn't act for the person selling a home, but on the other side of the deal for the person buying it. And he's not afraid of telling it like it is. If there was ever a topic to get my blood boiling, uh, it's shared ownership. Shared ownership is something that, in as far as I'm concerned, is God's way of telling you that you don't have enough money and you should be looking in a cheaper part of town. Okay, not sitting on the fence there, Henry, <laughs> which is what we love about you. But financially, if somebody was thinking of buying a shared ownership property, what are the financial questions that lead you to have such a negative view of it? Well, my principal concern is that you are participating in only a part of the venture. And obviously, by uh, its explicit design, shared ownership uh, is a way of enabling you to buy a property that presumably uh, would be out of reach otherwise. Uh, but in doing so, you only allow yourself to be exposed to a proportion of either the problems or the benefits that come with home ownership. If in due course, when you have outgrown the property you've purchased, you want to sell up and move on to another, all you've done is, is to kick the proverbial can down the road and make uh, the problem of trying to afford your second home that much greater as a result of not being able to take and trouser the entire profits uh, from the sale of the first property in order to be able to move on. With another baby on the way, Lucy's family could rapidly outgrow the two-bedroom shared ownership property she's agreed to buy. The price of buying that property outright without shared ownership would be £580,000. If Lucy bought a property the conventional way, the maximum she'd be able to afford would be around £400,000. In trendy Stoke Newington, that would get her a shoebox. But what does buying agent Henry think about cheaper, or should I say less expensive, parts of London? 
We are often led to believe that it's impossible to get onto the lowest rungs of the housing ladder inside the M25, but that's not the case. Henry suggests Lucy looks further afield and should research leafy neighbourhoods that are about a 30-minute commute from the heart of London, such as Buckhurst Hill and North Finchley. They might not have the Instagrammability of Stoke Newington, but Lucy could afford to buy a family home there. It will be affordable and most importantly of all, she'll own 100% of it. A further option for Lucy? Keep on renting. Henry says there's already evidence that the pandemic is pushing down the costs of renting a property, which means Lucy and her partner could potentially save up a bigger deposit. I think that if Lucy and others were uh, uh, looking at renting a property over the next 12 or 24 months, that we're going to see rent start to sag. But people like Lucy who might think that renting was uh, throwing away money, I think that what she would be spending on rent for an equivalent property within zones three and four uh, will be less than she would see the property if she was to buy one, the equivalent property if she was to buy one, fall in value over the same period of time. So in reality, I don't suspect that she would be a loser if she were to put off home ownership and all the glamour that goes with that by a year or two. To sum up, Henry thinks Lucy should just forget about buying the shared ownership property, even though it's in the expensive area of London she loves. Instead, she should seek out less expensive neighbourhoods on the outskirts of London and even consider renting in one of these before committing to buy, saving up more money for her deposit all the while. But this doesn't address the problem of what might happen to the mortgage market in future. And that's where I bring in our second expert. Andrew Montlake, known as Monty to his friends, is a mortgage broker at Corico in London. He agrees with Henry that the more you can save for a deposit, the better. But he also has this advice for the self-employed. It's important to know that some lenders will always be better than others in understanding the needs of self-employed freelancers and contractors, as they have much more experience than others and and understanding, and and a lot can actually read a set of accounts. So it is important to shop around. When it comes to shopping around, very good point. Not many people do it. Um, Mm. Now, Lucy's particular issue, because she's buying a shared ownership property, she hasn't been able to shop around at all. Now, I mean, shared ownership is a growing niche, um, but a lot of mortgage lenders appear not to like it very much. It's quite a specialist area. She's only been able to find, or her broker has only been able to find, Mm. one lender um, in the whole of the market who is prepared to lend to her as a self-employed buyer with a self-employed partner. But in general... As a mortgage broker, what's your view of shared ownership? Um, I'm personally a big fan of shared ownership, actually. Uh, I I like the concept and think we should have more of it. Um, And I think shared ownership mortgages and and the whole concept around it has suffered more around perception and unfair stigma, really, more than anything else, because they are a great way of getting onto the housing ladder. Um, I did have a cursory glance, actually, and, and as it stands... There, I found about 120 different mortgage products for shared ownership. Hmm. But when you've got the the difficulties of the self-employed plus the shared ownership plus a self-employed partner, then then that's probably where the issues are. As the battle to contain the virus results in a second lockdown for millions, the mortgage market is tightening up as lenders worry about the long-term economic impact. 
if you've got seven to nine million people furloughed, how many of those are going to get their jobs back? Um, there is undoubtedly going to be a recession. There will undoubtedly be some effect on um, house prices. However, I think longer term, we're very well set up to recover from this. Um, I think in 18 months' time, I think there'll, there'll be much more choice for Lucy and much more choice for borrowers, uh, certainly around self-employed, um, because I think a lot of the specialist lenders will also be back. Hmm. So while Henry thinks Lucy should consider the alternatives to shared ownership as her family expands, Monty can see how it could work for some first-time buyers who are prepared to staircase their way up over time. However, he's also worried that Lucy's inability to shop around for a mortgage deal could mean she'll pay more in the long run. So what does our aspiring homeowner Lucy make of the advice? Will she move forward with the shared opportunity deal or hold off and save up? My feeling, don't hold me to it at this second, is that I will probably pull out. Um, I just think I was listening to all of that and just thinking... I don't really have anything to lose by holding off, but I feel like I do have something potentially to lose by going for this deal. And whilst it's a, you know, a brand new shiny flat and it's a bit bigger than we've got now and I get to say that I'm, you know, an owner of a house, even though I'm not really, um, it may not be the right decision at this second, but obviously that's something we really need to discuss and think about and make sure that's the right decision. I mean, this does make me feel more positive about renting for the moment, you know. It doesn't seem like the worst. In my head, it had become a complete failure, but actually sort of listening to them, I was sort of going, maybe not, actually, you know. We've, we're, in a, we're heading in the right direction. We're saving money. We're not in a bad position. But how does Lucy feel about exploring alternative, less pricey neighbourhoods in London or even beyond? I'll be completely honest, I do feel a bit kicking and screaming into North Finchley and Buckhurst Hill, etc. I'm sure they're lovely, but I just, I'm not familiar with them. Um, and being from London, I feel like I've discovered everywhere that I, you know, I, I love and I know, etc. That said, I think what is going to become a defining um, element of our house hunt is probably going to be having to think a little bit more about schools and green spaces and if for instance we take a trip to North Finchley and it turns out you know on um, more investigation that it in fact it does have really good schools and it's a great place to bring up children and I can maybe see myself there all I need is maybe a couple of cafes then it's certainly <laughs> something I'd consider. Well, thank you again, Lucy, so much for like oh, agreeing to do you. this and giving us your valuable time as a mum, which is like times 10 in terms of rarity and scarcity time away from children. Oh, no, thank you. It's been really, really helpful. That's it from Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week. And we hope you like what you've heard. If you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show and get some expert thoughts on a money issue that's been bugging you, then email me. The address is money at ft.com. Want to read more? Check out the show notes for links to articles I've written on these topics. Take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money. Grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper or follow us on Twitter at ftmoney. Money Clinic was produced in London by Josh Delamere and Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Amy Keane. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. 
And finally, just so you know, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. I believe there are many in Stoke Newington. That's the small print over and done with. We'll see you back here next week. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.